Thank you, Larry. That's beautiful. Now, the message I take out of that is this minister's temporary. Uh, he's going to be going back to Texas tomorrow, so uh, if you don't like what he has to say, then just realize it's temporary. I don't know if that was, I don't know if that was intended or not, but see, that's the way the Spirit moves, you see. The Spirit says, hey, you are temporary, my friend. Do not forget it. So when I was 12 years old, my father was the uh, Church of Christ minister in Rapid City, South Dakota. Not United Church of Christ, Church of Christ. We didn't believe in anything being too united. Uh, we were, because uh, we knew we were the only ones going to heaven, you know, so uh, that's not much un- unitedness there. But uh, we, there were seven kids in our family. And I remember our parents calling a family meeting. And they said, kids, we have decided to take a congregation in Lexington, Virginia. If we don't go, if they don't get a minister, that congregation is going to close down. There's only like eight members left. So what we knew is we were automatically going to double the congregation. (laughs) But they said, they don't have any salary to pay us. We're going to have to raise our own financial support. So kids, we're going to be eating a lot of beans. Now I guess as a uh, young person, I, I, was just, I wasn't scared, I was excited. We're going on a grand adventure. But they said, we believe this is where God has called us to go, and we believe God will open the doors for us financially and every other way. And so we moved there. I traveled with my father all throughout the South. We raised enough money to have a minister's salary. We raised enough money to buy a a plot of land on Main Street right before you turn to the high school and build a, a beautiful church building. We raised enough money to build a minister's home right at the edge of town. And by the time we left there, five or six years later, we had a hundred-member congregation in Lexington, Virginia. Now, can anyone here imagine a Unitarian Universalist doing something like that? Could you imagine a Unitarian Universalist minister agreeing to that proposition? What if, after you go through your interim phase, you say, Hey, uh, UUA, we want to minister, but we can't pay them, but we've got a great thing going here at Hope, and, uh, you know, this come on by faith. I don't know if you'd have any applicants. You probably wouldn't have any applicants. But I want to tell you that that is in our spiritual DNA as Unitarian Universalists. People who were willing to invest in their faith and launch out 
in faith, not knowing the results because they believed so deeply in the message that they had been given and that was theirs to deliver. I want to tell you a story about a man named Reverend James Billings. I'm not sure if he's uh, related to our sound man back here or not, whose name's Billings. But you've got a good name, my friend. I know that much. So in 1883, Reverend James Billings was a retired Universalist minister, and he was 72 years of age. And he was commissioned to come to the heathen land of Texas and try to inculcate and preach the universalist gospel. He was guaranteed no money to do so. And in fact, for the 15 years of his ministry, he was poorly paid. But yet he ministered from the age of 72 to 87 in the state of Texas because he believed so deeply in the message. Now there was a woman in Connecticut. Her name was Mary. She had been married to two Universalist ministers, both who deceased. She was in her early 60s. She heard about what was going on in Texas. Now, what she could have done, she could have gone on the Universalist banquet circuit in Connecticut. And like, oh, you know, hey, look at me. I'm the... Uh, widow of two universalist ministers and didn't haven't we done a lot of great things here in Connecticut she could have gone to the GA of Connecticut and gotten awards and plaques and all this kinds of stuff she could have been invited to all the, the you know, women's conferences to talk about universalism and how she contributed so much to it lived out here years as an icon of universalism in Connecticut she wasn't cut out of that kind of cloth either. She said, I'm going down to Texas. I ain't got no money. I ain't going to get paid. But I'm going to go down and help out in Texas. Well, wouldn't you know, she and Reverend Billings, they met. One thing led to the other, and they were married in Waco, Texas. Anybody ever been to Waco, Texas? There's not much else to do in Waco except get married. You want to do something positive in Waco, Texas. So together, they, because of their faith, because of their dedication, not because of the money, not because of the uh, Universalist Retirement Plan, not because of the universalist uh, IRA and 401k and great health benefits. No. 
They went because they believed that this land of Texas desperately needed, and I can tell you, living there now, it still desperately needs the message of Unitarian Universalism. When they came there, there were two Universalist congregations with about 100 members. Fifteen years later, there were 31 congregations and over 600 Universalists in the state of Texas. And by the time Reverend Billings died in 1899, he almost made it to the next century, there were some 2,000 Universalists in the state of Texas. See, you see, this is our spiritual DNA. We are people of faith who are invested in what we are doing, who are willing to put our lives and our livelihoods on the line, who are willing to launch out in faith, not knowing where the money will come from, not knowing uh, anything really, where you will live. By the way, there. Uh, any anybody ever been to Heiko, Texas? Yeah, Heiko. It's over near Dallas, right, Anita? You you probably been to Heiko. That was. They had the All Souls Church in Heiko, Texas. That was the uh, center of universalism in Texas. And if you go onto the Heiko, Texas Chamber of Commerce and Historical Society, etc., you'll see them talked about. Mary Billings uh, is trumpeted there because she was uh, you know, very well respected. So was James Billings. So we come to a time of year in every congregation, in this congregation, where we are deciding what we are going to do financially for this congregation to be a viable, active, vibrant force in this community. And I love your theme. Do you know it by heart? Anybody know the theme of your uh, pledge drive? Living out love within, among, and beyond. I like that whole thing. What were the universalists about? Love. They basically believed that the love of God was greater than the judgment of God. And what Reverend Billings said is, basically, we are trying to convince people that there's a God of love rather than a God of revenge. And that has great implications, does it not? Whether you believe in God or not, whether you're a theist or not, is immaterial. Is the moving force of the universe love or is it revenge? He understood that this has implications for the way we organize our societies. Do you think your legislators up here in Oklahoma, who the very first thing that they did... by the way, Reverend Gerald Davis and I were doing, a, he gave me a great cultural tour of Tulsa. And I found out that the very first law that they passed, does anybody remember what that was? 
It was a segregation law. You think if you believed in a force of love, you would accept? If you believed in a force of revenge, well, hell yeah, you're going to do that. I'm using that term, uh, you know, on purpose. Yeah, we want to give them hell because they don't deserve it. So it has unbelievable implications the way you think about the force of the universe. Now, I've been privileged since 1996 to go all over the state of Texas and preach. I think I preach in almost every UU congregation in the state of Texas. I've been all the way from Red River UU in Denison all the way down to McAllen. I'm going to be going out to El Paso in June. I've been all the way to Victoria and Corpus Christi on the coast and Tyler, and I've been to Oak Cliff UU Church in Dallas. I think we have someone who played a pivotal role in that congregation here today. And let me just, I want to tell you about this Red River congregation. These people are so liberal. They have members from Texas and Oklahoma in their congregation. I mean, can you imagine? You talk about a God of love rather than a God of revenge. <laughs> but the, you know, one thing I hear when I go around is, why are you a Unitarian Universalist? And I, I've heard two things consistently. One, I want to be around people of like mind. Two, I need a place of safety and a place of sanctuary for my beliefs. Nothing wrong with that. You know what that is? That's a starting point. That's why your living out love starts within but it doesn't stop there. There's so many congregations that stop there. We're not a social club for people of like mind and for people to feel safe. You could probably get that at the YMCA. Not, not here? Okay, well. <laughs> Go to the uh, YMCA of the Greater Fellowship, and maybe you can find it there. I'm sure there's places in Tulsa you could get that without being part of a religious body. In fact, I, what do y'all call this space here? A sanctuary? Great Hall? People call it a, some people call it a sanctuary, right? So here's one thing I, wanna, I want to uh, propose. Let's not call it a sanctuary. Let's call it a launching pad. Because this is only a place where we come to get nurtured. We come to get fed. We come to get connected. We come to have the uh, flames of our faith fanned. And that's why I love the progression of this living out love. Within, among, and what? Beyond. If you're not looking beyond, 
then this city set on a hill is just a nice place to be with a beautiful view and wonderful rock architecture, etc., etc. So Reverend Billings, this is nothing new, Reverend Billings bemoaned. They, oh, you know, these people, see if this, if you recognize this from many people of faith and many people uh, in power in Oklahoma and, and in Tulsa. He said, they do much to extend their partial, cruel, sorrow-producing faith. And they will go by the hundreds to hear a message of damnation. And yet, those of us of this blessed faith of love, what little we often do to extend our beautiful and most blessed faith, and we only go by the tens to hear the message of salvation. The message of salvation of love. Well, I was loving to come to this sanctuary this morning and hear the reaching out to our trans brothers and sisters. You see, that's when I talked earlier about the spirit moving and how we have a faith that moves. I'm guessing most of you, when you whenever you came here, uh, people who were trans were not foremost on your mind of people you wanted to make sure you extend equal rights to and love to and connection to. Am I, is that accurate? It's not because you didn't care about people. You just, it wasn't on your radar. But now that it is, what's our response? Our response is love. Our response is inclusion. Our response is connection. We have, and this is what Reverend Billings said, we have a faith that will literally save humanity. Now, do you really believe that? We're not just an accessory in the world of faith. And this idea that we would have a laissez-faire attitude, when I have talked to people about why don't Unitarian Universalists do a tithe? Oh, well, that's what those people do. Well, you know what? That's why those people are, are uh, dominating the whole social and political culture of Oklahoma, of Tulsa, of Texas, so many places in the South. Because they're motivated by their God of revenge. I think the question before us is, are we more motivated by love being the operating force of the universe than a revenge and hate and bigotry? And I'm sorry to say, But Unitarian Universalists, when they do the studies, are among the most highly educated, 
And yet, among the bottom givers of those who support their faith. We ain't that smart, are we? And yet, I'm going to hear people holler and hoop about all the horrible things going on in the state of Oklahoma government and Tulsa. I know you guys have, just like we do in Texas, these horrible war on women bills. Everybody's going to erase uh, to have the worst uh, abortion laws in the country so they can get it to the Supreme Court because they think Mr. Kavanaugh, they've got the numbers now and they can strike down Roe v. Wade. I know you guys, just like Texas, are dealing with this horrible constitutional carry uh, bill where you can carry a gun anywhere you want to. I know that your teachers had to go on strike. And although they may have gotten a partial victory, I know they're still woefully underpaid. And then yesterday, as Reverend Davis and I were down there uh, around where Black Wall Street used to be, and we all know about the horrible race massacre that happened there. You see, that's not over. Has anybody read the report about the equality indicators here in Tulsa? Yeah? Well, check it out. Because in Tulsa, whether it's public education, whether it's housing, whether it's the relationship to the law enforcement and justice, whether or not it's health care, all the indicators... A white person is going to do two to three times better than a person of color in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You see, none of us here would go over to North Tulsa and start killing people and burning down their businesses. But yet, what these people are, are, are dying, slow deaths, because this uh, prejudice, this bigotry, this racism, this white superiority culture continues to go on. And I know, as I look into your eyes and into your hearts, that you are people who don't believe that is fair. You don't believe that that is equitable. You don't believe that that demonstrates the worth and dignity of every human being, which is our core principle that everything else evolves out of and derives out of. So it is so important that we have a strong congregation called Hope, a city set on a hill, a light on a hill that not only is strong within and among, but beyond. You know, Reverend King strongly said, I'm not really afraid, I'm paraphrasing you now, I'm not really afraid of the outward bigots. I'm afraid of the silence of the good people. It's the silence of the good people 
that's going to allow this kind of thing to continue to go on. You're good people. You're excellent people. You're beautiful people. You're people of love. But we cannot allow it to just stay here in our comfortable padded pews in our beautiful place on a hill. We're called to be a moral force of goodness in the world. And the universalists back there understood that. You know what? Every time they had a convention, they would talk about social justice issues, anti-war, women's rights, cruelty to animals. They were really ahead of their time. Things like that. They understood the implications of faith and that that faith had to be extended out to the world. So I, I, I just want to uh, plead with you today as this pledge drive continues to go on, as this stewardship campaign continues to go on, I hope you will ask yourself, what is the moral force that we want to be in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and in the state of Oklahoma. What does this city on a hill want to be known for? Do we want to be known as just a lot of nice people who give out some, some uh, beautiful sentiments and show some nice videos about helping people in the sanctuary? Or do we want to be known as the congregation that literally lives out hope in a concrete way through our actions, through the money that we give, and through the lives that we live. We had over 100 people last Wednesday at the Capitol in Austin. You see, that wasn't an accident. Reverend Billings also said that what we find is that Organized error, E-R-R-O-R, organized error will outdistance unorganized truth every time. So that's why in Texas, we've organized, we have 34 Unitarian Universalist congregations who when we... When we, before 2012, when we went to the legislature, they thought we were a cult or something, you know. <laughs> they had no idea who we were and didn't care. But now when we go up there, now when I go up there and I can say, I can stand at that, that uh, microphone and testify and say, I am Reverend Chuck Freeman. I represent 34 Unitarian Universalist congregations. I represent 5,000 Unitarian Universalists in the state of Texas. And here's our perspective on your bill. You see, that is love within, among, and beyond that's going to make a difference. So wouldn't it be awesome because of your commitment on every level, including financial, that hope Unitarian Universalist Church not just be known as people who say beautiful things, 
who mouth wonderful bromides, who write nice articles, who will rally ever once and again and now and again. Wouldn't it be wonderful that they know that this is a congregation that puts everything within their being into being a light in the world, including what you give financially? If this is not a strong congregation, we will not have a strong voice for justice in Tulsa, period. Not that I believe there aren't other progressive congregations. I know there's a small church down the road called All Souls. Now, they do okay. But they ain't the city up on the hill. You are. So, as I close today, I ask you to look into your hearts and may your hearts penetrate all the way down into your wallet, (laughs) into your PayPal, into your Venmo, into whatever you use, even your checkbooks. Anybody still have a checkbook in here? Yeah, occasionally. Your plastic, whatever it is you use, may. There's a reason you have the name Hope. I don't know how it happened, but I believe that names make a difference. And there's a reason that you're up on a hill. It may it be said, by this pledge drive, by this stewardship campaign, may the results of that say clearly, we are a light in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we're not going to put it under a bushel. And it will give light to all in the house of Tulsa and all in the house of Oklahoma. And my temporary sermon is over. (laughs) Amen.